0: Welcome to the Streets and People podcast presented by Get Around Cabo Car Free. Get Around Cabo Car Free is a volunteer community movement advocating for more transport options for people who can't drive in Caboolture and Field in Queensland. In today's podcast, we'll be covering one of these three broad topics. It might be Road Rules 360, where we discuss Queensland's road rules, the legislation, the design for people walking, biking, in wheelchairs or on a scooter. It might be Not Everyone Drives, where we chat with people whose transport options don't include a car in a car-dependent society. And it might be People and Projects, where our conversations are with people working on a specific aspect of inclusive transportation. Today it is one of our Not Everyone Drives episodes. It's our very first one, in fact, and I thought because Kirk is one of our volunteers, I would ask Kirk to come along, and we're here on Gubbi Gubbi Country in Caboolture, Queensland, and you live a little bit down the road in Moray Field.
1: So, uh, yeah, that's correct.
0: And we met at the Moray Field Shopping Centre office. I was complaining about the lack of bike racks. I was very grumpy about that, and I just front up to people and I go, Hello, I've got this community movement, get around Cabo Car Free. Would you like to join us? <laughs> And you said yes. And you said you would be interested in volunteering and we talked about a bike path. We talked about a few different things. So tell me, what is your background in why you would be interested in Get Around Cabo Car Free? Maybe your own experience with getting around places wherever it is that you've been where you haven't needed to use a car for that.
1: What got me into this whole thing is before when the fuel prices started going up,
0: When was that?
1: Two years ago now. At the time I was a support worker driving all around the countryside and I just kept looking at the fuel gauge and the prices of fuel going up and not getting reimbursed as much. And then I just decided to get something that was a little bit closer. From there I ended up having the goal to pretty much write to work. I had one daughter at the time. And I started taking her to daycare on the push bike and noticed that some of the roads weren't really that
0: safe. Yeah, so one of those roads was Walker's Road, which yeah. is just about to be made into. So there's a term here which a lot of people won't be familiar with called a strode, which is not a street and not a road. Basically, the way that Strong Towns define it. Strong Towns is a community organization that we are very much aligned with. They've got great ideas. They say a street is basically the little suburban streets and a road is the highway, so the Bruce Highway, that sort of thing. And what we've got in places like Morayfield Road, Walker's Road, King Street, they are basically suburban streets. They're in urban areas, but they have the layout and design of a road. They have highway conditions. It's not good as a little suburban street, But it's also not good as a highway because you've got all these traffic lights and driveways and entrances and things like that. And Walker Road, which is just going from a sort of smaller road, now becoming quite a bigger road. Does that sound about right?
1: That sounds about right. Because of that, I ended up having to go down Oak Flat, Morayfield, Caboolture River sort of thing. And I've been lucky and fortunate enough to go on some of the footpaths. But anyone that rides around there knows that some of the footpaths aren't really up to scratch.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people who are pedestrians and in wheelchairs and frail don't like people riding their bike on the footpath. And it's not really appropriate for that, but we don't really have a choice because you're either going to be mown over by somebody in a car and recently i was on king street and there was nobody in the right-hand lane it was banked up cars parked on the road shoulder and i didn't want to be on the footpath because it's actually not very easy to ride your bike on that it's a lot of driveways and it's quite bumpy and it's quite narrow so i was on the road and i was in the left-hand lane and there was this driver and he just has this great big suv and he just drove in a very intimidating fashion he could easily have been in the right-hand lane, but he chose not to. And these are experiences when you're riding a bike. I'm not a Lycra biker, I just use it as my form of transport because it's so much cheaper and more enjoyable and relaxing, except when people are intimidating. And these kinds of experiences are the kind of ones you get on the road. So you can't be on the road, you can't be on the footpath, and the road shoulder, people have their cars banked up, and. We don't have the infrastructure for it. So.
1: Well, not only that, you're also at risk of things like glass, bottles, debris that just gets sweeped onto the side of the road. And, and not to mention is when you've got cars backed up, you've got a moral dilemma. Do you take the footpath or do you take the lane? It can also be nerve-wracking to take the lane because sometimes you have to take the lane to stop someone from overtaking you, but then you don't know what their sort of attitude is towards cyclists. It
0: it might've been exactly like I experienced the other day, where somebody was just wanting to be difficult and aggressive because their sense of entitlement on the road, many drivers think that bike riders shouldn't be even on a road that they're not allowed to be, which of course is not what the legislation says and it's not appropriate to be like that.
1: Yeah, and it's also, you know, when it comes to giving way, if a car's exiting a street, you know, they've got right of way, but then it completely changes when a car is entering a street where most times that gets that gets ignored.
0: It's a complicated yeah. thing. John Barrell in our Road Wars three sixty episodes, he and I are actually going through all mm. the, the bike rules at the moment because of this real complexity and ambiguity and in this situation it's like that and Mm. And in that situation, it's like that. And it's really not very straightforward about who has priority and who doesn't. And we've come across some situations that John and I will do in a future episode where Mm. he has to write a letter to the minister to get clarity on who actually has right of way Mm. in this situation. John is the road rules subject matter expert for road rules at the TMR in Queensland and he retired about six years ago and he said, this is not clear what the legislation is. So for somebody on a bike who doesn't know the legislation inside and out, what hope have we got? That's what it's like on Walker's Road and there's no pedestrian crossing, there's nothing like that. And you had a little person on the back
1: Oh, yeah. 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 So she was
0: one or something at the time. Oh, about
1: that, yeah.
0: Yeah. You're just a dad, an amazing dad. I would have to say you are probably the most stellar dad (laughs) that I've ever come across because you've got now two little people and both girls have had some health issues and you're a very devoted husband, very devoted father. I think your wife is a very (laughs) lucky gal and your two girls are very lucky to have you as a dad you're very engaged in that space Mm. you know you want to be protective and you also want to do the right thing by them and you want to bring them out into the world you've got them on the back of the bike but you have these situations where it doesn't kind of work like that tell me what have you noticed when you're out with the girls on the back of the bike
1: the oldest one now she wants to go you know on the push bike instead of the car yeah since then we've changed daycares to a closer one each morning she'll hop on the bike and she'll wave to people and as soon as i arrive at the daycare a lot of the uh, younger children are like oh what's that oh you're riding on a push bike getting very excited because it's a different form of transport compared to the
0: car yeah, a certain level of novelty yeah
1: and, and not to mention it it keeps them active I, I guess it's also helps them learn a level of resilience because you're essentially molding them to be a, a, a better part of society later on in life
0: I remember you telling me previously, before you had your new baby, so you are doing more volunteering yeah. before you had your second person. Which I was, I was personally a bit devastated. Yeah. I must say, we <laughs> were going, oh, we're pregnant. I'm going, no. <laughs> (laughs) I think you said she's like Yeah, bike ride, bike ride, bike ride And then you're on the bike and you'd be riding In the area and she would start To look around so she wasn't on a screen She wasn't having to be distracted And kept quiet, she was super curious And what Hmm. sort of things did you notice That she was interested in?
1: She'd see the puppies, dogs, interactions that you wouldn't normally get in the car. She was able to see the local area, birds, and even being able to take the detoured route to be able to just enjoy the scenery, you know, enjoying the atmosphere.
0: Because the detour made it much more enjoyable, mm. so you then thought, oh, we can actually do this. And it's a great yeah. bonding experience, a dad and, and little person moment. And she, I think she was starting to get some recognition about the birds... Yeah. And the trees and the flowers and other kids as well mm. and waving.
1: And now that she's about two and a half, her vocabulary is just gone from really beginner's baby language to advanced sort of toddler's language and being able to pronounce words and being able to communicate really well. And I believe that's also to do with the interactions we've made, minimising the use of phones and technology and yeah. just enjoying the interactions.
0: So, you know, there's that thing of kids yeah. who play outside, they're always on their screens. But actually what you're saying mm. is that the urban environment doesn't really allow children no. to play outside anymore and feel safe. It's quite an intimidating space on the roads outside in my place. It's quite a quiet suburban street. I'm in this office a lot of the time. And there's so few cars that come past in a day. And yet, because the speed limit's 50, and that's a speed limit where drivers won't look for people, they're looking for more options. But when you bring down the road speed and drivers are going at a much safer speed for families, children, people Mm. on bicycles, it makes all the world of difference. And that would certainly be something that would be easy to apply in your area. You you live in one of those new estates down in Morayfield.
1: I do, yeah.
0: I think the streets are quite narrow.
1: Most of them are quite narrow. The street that I'm on is relevantly wide, but the side streets are quite narrow. It's interesting with talking about streets is streets used to be uh, a place of community sort of thing where you know you'd have kids playing in the street and now it's just like move over everyone else and you know it's all about the efficiency of the the car and and doesn't mean that they're going to get from a to b faster
0: i think the difference between 30 kilometers an hour and 50 kilometers an hour is about five minutes yeah it's not much really for children's safety and children's activity levels because when children cycle to school it actually increases their cognitive skills so mm. they get higher marks at school it also makes people feel less depressed less socially isolated we know from the pandemic it's a really huge issue you just on walker's road there was another park
1: there was a few parks because at the time i was at another daycare but on a side note with talking about mental health and stuff since i've been riding to and from work i feel a lot better and a lot healthier i don't know how i managed to do it but one ride, I ended up doing forty-nine kilometres on a, a short burst. It checks it on the GPS sort of thing. And
0: okay.
1: I don't know how I did it. I must have had me weak picks that day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just... were you
0: going forty-five kilometres an hour?
1: Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. no, no, no. We don't not say that because I'm not quite sure what the speed limit is, Kirk.
1: Oh no, that one was on Okie Flat Road, so that was sixty.
0: Okay. All right. So you were doing forty-five kilometres an hour, but I'm not sure what the speed limit is for bicycles on a road. Do you know that by chance?
1: I don't think, as far as I know, there's no bicycle speed limit. I know that e-bikes are capped at 25.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, The motor cuts out at that speed.
0: Because I've got an e-bike. John and I are going to discuss that in another episode. Mia Zellman, I just published that yesterday. Mia and I were having a discussion about how kids used to use the streets. It was seen the same way that people use parks. And when I grew up as a child, Child. I grew up in another city. It was quite a rural area, probably quite similar to Cabultry in many ways. It would have been the equivalent of something like Moreyfield Road in the olden days. Apparently previous local residents used to do is on that road Mm. they used to put a tennis net on the middle and they would play it and then when a car came along on that rare occasion when there was a car coming along they would stop playing tennis but that's what they used to do and that's the sort of thing that we've lost I think Mm. and we talk about social isolation as if it's caused by the phone but I think it's so much more complicated than that and I think it's much more about our urban design I see that for instance, people have eight foot fences, so I don't even know who my neighbors are. I mean, I've seen them and I know their names because I'm a super friendly person. But a lot of people have got these very high fences. I understand the yearning for privacy, but it does mean that you never get to know your neighbors. And there is some subtle message that says, I don't want to know my neighbors. And when people get in cars, you can't bump into them either. No. You know, people aren't walking so much either. We actually don't have any footpaths here on this street but there are some parks for the bike ride that you mm-hmm. used to do to the other childcare center we wrote a letter to the yeah. council and they didn't make any comment about making those paved and I think no. that's definitely something that we would love to do and I'm wondering if we could do some placemaking stuff we would never encourage any illegal or inappropriate activities but you know I have wondered that if you had a truck and some tarmac could hmm. you just kind of plonk it down there because well if the council's not gonna do it then and who's, you know, who's gonna do it? I'm definitely not advocating for inappropriate, illegal we're just here to entertain and inform. We're just to play around the ideas about what yeah. are the possibilities and, and to think about well what could we do so yeah that's one thing that I have thought because that's a pity because if you can cycle through a park as you said your eldest daughter she's now that Mm. age she loves to be out on the bike she must be pretty much soon ready to be on yeah. with her own wheels. too. Well
1: she's getting better at her balancing bike. She's slowly getting the hang of it which is good. Um, just gotta do it more frequently. Well the other day I actually saw Wendy at the markets. We bought my oldest uh, daughter her uh, balancing bike. Yeah, she was having fun with it. By the end of it I think my back was a bit sore having to hold down. I'm thinking about getting a rod or something to hold it up but I think by then she'll probably get the hang of it and I won't need it.
0: Yeah I grew up a long time ago and there was no such thing as a balancing bike it was always this idea of trainer wheels mm. i didn't know anything about a balancing bike for kids how is that design different from an ordinary bike
1: the main idea behind a balancing bike versus a bicycle with train wheels is it teaches kids how to balance before they pedal the logic behind it is training wheels they don't actually teach kids how to ride. It's fun, but the problem is with training wheels, you're best better off with a tricycle because the riding mechanism with training wheels is different from a bike because you're with a bicycle, you're having to lean in Okay. where you are limited in doing that with training wheels because it limits you from actually being able to lean in and turn.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is if you do the trainer wheel bicycle, mm. that's more similar to a tricycle in terms of learning the skills. In order to learn the skill of balancing, which is probably better for younger Mm. people to learn that lean, it's actually better to have kids on this balancing bicycle yeah it doesn't have any pedals it's, no. it's more like a fred flintstone kind yeah. of bicycle where you're walking along and doesn't have any pedals it sort of gives the impression of that and it helps build some of the small leg muscles yeah. and the idea of balance in the body and, and then the next step is to get
1: get them get to learn on how, a how pedal. to pedal the, the ultimate thing on a push bike is more so the balance than the actual pedaling once you learn how to actually balance the bike it's just like the The moment that you actually learn how to ride a bike is usually when your mum and dad's behind you and they've taken off the training wheels and they're behind you and you think they're still behind you and then you're just going off in in the uh, distance where you start pedaling, 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 you don't realise they're there and then as soon as you look and go and then you fall off your bike.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's interesting, so there was a lady that I met on the Wemurin Rail Trail and she's got some hearing issues and she wanted to take a bicycle riding. She's sort of lost her confidence. Maybe a tricycle yeah. would be better for her. She likes the idea of cycling. Mm. You know, she loves to be on the Wemurin Rail Trail yeah. and she has this idea that she wants to meet with friends. Maybe she just, instead of having a bicycle, which has more complicated balancing issues, she could actually just get a tricycle yeah. and i see those around everywhere and they're fantastic because you can put some shopping in the back mm. and uh, you don't have to worry about that balancing issues so that's yeah. a good suggestion now i'm going to suggest that yeah. to her what was it like to volunteer with us because i think you were volunteering for about six months with yeah, about us on a very engaged level what did you I mean basically you have to say that I'm fabulous (laughs) (laughs) what did you appreciate about volunteering with us or what did you learn or what did it give you I guess?
1: Yeah I I think it was just the uh, it was good to engage with people with like-minded mindset that had the idea of creating something that used to be a people-centric place so that people can go from A to B with as much choices as possible if they want to be able to ride from a to b or walk or even catch the bus to be able to do it in a safe manner and that means if you did drive you could have a choice of getting there safely using other methods or if you didn't drive and you had no choice you could get there safely without any issues so making walking cycling taking the bus more convenient so you're more than likely to continue it that way.
0: And as you were s- saying that I thought your two little people have had some medical issues. Yeah. You don't earn a fabulous salary. Oh, no. You have very modest means. Your wife, she's working. Yes. Um, but you're both on fairly mm. modest salaries and, and incomes. If- having one bicycle just reduces the financial burden of driving and if if everybody could cycle everywhere we're not saying nobody should drive what we're saying is for the journeys that are short enough to cycle gee wouldn't it be great to be able to do that safely without feeling like you're going to be run over at any moment well well,
1: that's it because currently we do have two cars but the the long-term goal is being able to only have one car instead of two cars so that means we we're not having to pay double the registration double fuel cost we only need to fuel up one car rather than two cars and if it's raining we'll make do the only time that I probably get dropped off or drive to work is essentially if it's monsoon or rain yeah. but I think that's the odd exception a little bit of rain doesn't hurt anyone I don't think
0: no I I cycle in the rain quite yeah. regularly and I had go for a morning bike ride on the Wamuran rail trail it's actually lovely because here we are in Queensland it's quite hot the sun's quite piercing just a gentle rain if it's really lovely. I just, yeah. I, it makes such a difference. I
1: think the most important thing, as long as you've got good quality rain gear, yeah. it makes a difference because another thing to mention at work is another person that actually is start to ride from home to work and she lives in the same estate as I do. Okay. So, do so
0: do you guys ride together? No, no,
1: no. She starts a little bit earlier than me. Okay. So yeah, and I thought, well, that's good. That's awesome.
0: That's fantastic. So, and do you have bike racks at your workplace? Yeah,
1: I get VIP parking.
0: Uh, Yeah, fantastic. Well,
1: what's currently happening at the moment is the parking lot, because it's limited car spots, it's only reserved for, you know, visitors. Yep. So workers have no choice, but they have to park on the street. Yep. But what's also happening is there's development going behind the facility. So they cannot park in front of where the developers, because you're getting heavy trucks coming through. Yeah, to, they have to park further. So short term, they pretty much have to park further away. And I just come along and ride my bike to the um, front door, lock it up.
0: So a couple of things there about parking on our Get Around Cabo Car Free page I don't know if it's the case on what the version that you see I, I took a photograph because I was down at your place yeah. in your garage I parked my bicycle yes. your bicycle and then your wife's car you could see we, we had two cars and plenty of space and yeah. then there's this great big car so one of the big things about cars is people don't realise how much land space that costs oh, no. and takes up and that is actually a huge problem and the other thing about parking because what that does is that each car space I've got somebody coming Uh, His name's David Metham He's going to talk about parking My understanding is that a car space in a garage Is about $50,000 dollars each one house so that adds on to the price of your mortgage now if you didn't have a car or you only had one car you would still have to pay for that because there's this thing called minimum parking mandates yeah which is a crazy crazy thing that the u.s put in in 1960s which they're now actually completely undoing but for some reason here we're just doubling and we're going on as if it's 1960 it's crazy but i digress but the thing about cars is they just take up so much land space and there is this idea that if you're in a car you should be able to park right in front but when you go to a shopping center you park you know right at the other end of the shopping Hmm. center car park but for some reason in all other places like out the front of a house or something that's my land but it's actually public land there's something strange that happens in the idea that it's okay to park a caravan on public land but you can't put I don't know anything else. Yeah. It's just this strange idea that you you're allowed to do that and it's very cheap. It's too cheap. Hmm. You know this is the high cost of free parking. What I was really thinking about for you is you have very modest means. Hmm. If you have two cars that they're, they're quite new cars. Hmm. I mean I'm not saying you have the top of the range. You've been no. obviously very careful in what you've chosen. But chances are that's going to cost, for the two cars, $24,000 a year. And the fact that you've got this double garage, which if you had an alternative you might not even use, because if you had an alternative transport mode, you might not want to have that. So you wouldn't have to pay for that. And then you wouldn't have to pay for the parking and you wouldn't have to pay for the cars. Your mortgage or lifestyle Hmm. would be so much cheaper But there's no alternatives. Does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So you would save the $24,000 a year plus you would have a lower mortgage because you wouldn't have those two garage spaces and and the apron space. And then actually you can start to look at creating higher density housing so you've got more townhouse kind of structures rather than you've got to have this low structure because there's uh, basic mechanisms about parking. It's quite a complicated thing. When I started this community movement get around Cabo Car Free which is focused on getting around people car free Mm. not saying the place has to be car free just saying I just thought well why can't we just get some bike lanes and bus stops and more bus services but then I've discovered there's this whole thing about minimum parking mandates which has this huge financial burden and huge land space burden mm. and developers charge for that you know the developers not b- bearing that cost they're not going to be out of pocket it's yeah. you as a family man who is burdened by that but strong towns talks about the ponzi scheme of the suburban rollout mm. actually because we're actually financing new suburban homes on the future but at some point, that's all going to fall over. It's not going to be sustainable. So I think we've talked about quite a few exciting yeah. things. If you were to say to somebody who would like to volunteer or who's interested in this, and basically I want them to volunteer yeah. because it really helps me when other people are in on, on the thing. So no matter how little, what would you say is useful for people to know or to what would, do you think would encourage them to do that?
1: Well, I think overall, I think it's good to do these projects as a group because at the end of the day, it's really challenging to do it just with one one person. And most likely, you'd be a person that would be getting frustrated because the footpath ends or... If you are in a a mobility scooter or wheelchair crossing the road, and there's the the path is uneasy and it's essentially dangerous, or even when it comes to temporary pathing where, they just say, oh, this pathway's closed, get on the road yeah. to get to the other side yeah. if you're in a wheelchair.
0: So you would say, if that's your beef, then yeah. come and be part of this. Yeah, yeah. this episode will undoubtedly go yeah. to councillors. So what would you like your local councillors and state MPs and federal MPs to know?
1: Well, I, I just hope we manage to put infrastructure in that's going to benefit everyone and by doing so would also reduce congestion and also encourage others to take other methods to get from a to b yeah you, if
0: you are on limited means having some choices yeah, actually it. just makes a heap better yeah opportunity for your like how you can live and if you're not spending all your money on car insurance yeah. and things like that then you can actually spend it in the local community.
1: Well that's it and, and take an example where I live if I was to catch the train I would either that I'd have to walk 45 minutes to the train station.
0: To Morayfield station yeah, yeah, from your place?
1: Yeah because there's no there's no proper bus service ah, yes. so I'd either have to drive to the train station yeah. not everyone's got that option Yeah. But then that kind of defeats the purpose. So
0: you would like a, a decent bus service, yeah. is what you're saying. Was there anything else you would like to add before we close up? Uh,
1: not that I can think of, I'll probably end up thinking of it after, but that's a whole different story.
0: Yeah, so... you can post it on the Facebook page or <laughs> put it in the comments section yep. of, of the episode or or something like that. So I think that's it. And yeah. thank you very much for being such a enthusiastic volunteer. It's that's very okay. much appreciated. And such an amazing dad and, mm. well, and husband. So that's also lovely. Yeah, we will keep on keeping on. Yeah. And that's, I think, we'll call it a day. Mm. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Kirk. All good. Thanks for enjoying Streets and People, presented by Get Around Cabo Car Free. We publish our podcast regularly at the usual places and on our website, where you can find out more about us: getaroundcabocarfree.com.au. That's www.getaround. g e t a r o u n d. Get around. That's pretty straightforward. Cabo. C a b o. That's short for caboolture. Car Free, C A R F R E E, there's no hyphen in that, dot com dot au. Our theme music is The Thief on AM Sound, which is just like our cars on our streets, always stealing the space. So let's stop that thief.